Welcome to Different from the Other Kids, a weekly talk show for parents of challenging children. With your host, Angela Sunis, author of the Amazon best-selling book, Different from the Other Kids. Each week, Angela will interview an individual or professional within the mental health community. Different from the Other Kids. Season 2, production of Marketing Maven Agency. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Different from the Other Kids. I'm Angela, your cruise director, podcast host, and author of the book, Different from the Other Kids. Please welcome Grace Cohen to the program. She has a daughter who has autism spectrum disorder, And let's just talk about that for just a second before I introduce you to Grace. Living with autism. Autism spectrum disorder is one of the most common developmental disabilities. Today, 1 in 94 Canadian children is diagnosed with autism. In Ontario, there is an estimated 100,000 people with autism. Tremendous stress is placed on families when raising children with autism. Actually, Grace is writing a book called Children of Autumn. And I am hoping it will be out sometime this year. So please keep that in mind. She's going to uh, walk you through her story in that book and her story of great hope and resilience of uh, she and her family. So I hope you will check that out on Amazon. Early intervention is critical to the development of all children on the autism spectrum. And waiting lists for evidence-based services are, well, they're just poor. In some places in Ontario, it can take up to four years to receive a diagnosis of autism even. Autism doesn't go away in adulthood. The system must be responsive to the needs of children transitioning into adulthood in a way that they are not presently. When Grace tells you her story, you will hear more about how difficult it has been for her to find some great help for her daughter. So let me tell you a little bit about Grace. I have known Grace, or I did know Grace. I would probably say most or better. I knew her about, wow, 32 years ago. We worked in a restaurant together and we were fast friends. We were really great mates. We would sit and have conversation or stand and have conversation in the restaurant waiting for customers to come in or waiting to present our bills or whatever it happened to be. Grace was always a very soulful, truth-seeking human and she and I would lock eyes and have a conversation that just beat the hell out of anything else I could have had a conversation with anybody, anything about with anybody else that day. I've always had great amount of respect for Grace and we ended up connecting through Facebook if you could imagine. She tracked me down right around the time of the book launch for the first book in November 2015 and we have been in pretty constant contact ever since. As I say, she's very soulful, very spiritual human. She has a story about her daughter Julianne that is uh, really the most, one of the most hopeful stories that you're ever going to hear about somebody on the autism spectrum. Grace is here to share her wisdom. She wants to share her resources. And she wants you to know that she feels as though she's won a lottery and that this is one of the greatest adventures of her life. So please welcome Grace. Okay, so Grace, good morning from Jasper. Good morning, Ange. Great to to be with you. Thank you. Speak to me about Jasper a little bit before we get started. Oh, wow. Well, Jasper, it's a beautiful, it's heaven on earth, really. Um, Mountainous, Rocky Mountain country, 
We have the beautiful Athabasca River, Marmot Ski Basin, beautiful pine trees everywhere, deer around our homes, elk roaming freely, bears starting to come out because we've had a pretty mild winter. Beautiful, magnificent place. Well, you guys are on my bucket list. There is no doubt about that. I am dying to get to Jasper. The last time that I was out west, I was trying to figure out if within the five-day period that I was there, if I could make the drive from Banff. And of course, I could have, but I would have hijacked the, the trip rather badly. So that is, it's still on my bucket list. So I might end up showing up in your doorstep one day looking for coffee. Awesome. <laughs> I got good coffee. Okay, good. <laughs> awesome. Okay. Anytime. Okay, thanks, Grace. Okay, so I wanted to have a conversation with you regarding your daughter, who is a little bit special. She sounds like a way cool chick. I would I would love to meet her, and I'm hoping I will one day. But I wanted to talk to you from a parent's perspective. And just if you could walk us through your journey a little bit with her, that would be really, really great. Wow. Do you have 10 hours? Yeah, uh-huh. really. I... Just kidding. <laughs> well, no, um, just as a, a little, <laughs> as a little summary. That would be wonderful. And I'm going to let little, you go. Grace, Grace, summer. by the way, Grace is a wonderful speaker and travels around. Why don't we start there? And then we'll talk about Julianne, if that's okay, Grace. Because everyone's going to be wondering, why is this professional speaker having a conversation with Angela? And how did she get her? How did she get this interview? (laughs) (laughs) She mortgaged her boat. That's right. I love boats. Do you love boats? (laughs) I hope I can get you on my boat when you're in Toronto. Oh, you will. You will. I'm coming back in July also. We'll talk about that later. Okay, please. Yeah, that would be amazing. Okay, so speak to me first about your speaking, and then we'll go into Juliana if that's okay. I'm going to go to completely out of order. Okay, well, it's obviously all connected, yeah. obviously, in my mind, and hope to make it obvious for the listeners today. Thank you for listening, first of all, because we're very excited, Angie and I, both to get these messages out to you so we can ultimately help you, and that, that's ultimately our goal. Yeah. So I've been out in the last, I'd say, year speaking about a book that I'm uh, presently writing called Children of Autumn, Autism Here on Purpose. And the reason I say that, that autism is here on purpose, is because my daughter has autism, and I've lived the last 20 years on this journey with her, and I call it a journey because it's been the most intriguing, wonder-filled, challenging growth experience for me that there's nothing I can equate that would have catapulted me to the level of understanding and the tools that I have to live on this planet and tools that are healthy tools, tools that help me, tools that help me stay in a balanced place, being able to give of myself and to be in service. And so I've been giving these presentations. I've been to Calgary. I've been to Edmonton. I actually even did a presentation in Maui that was awesome. Hinton, Alberta, have a few lined up coming up. So What's been really amazing about the presentations is the feedback, certainly. I have yet to actually present for a parent, but I absolutely understand that because the parents, I know you're out there, and I hope we can reach you this way. You're so busy that it's very difficult to get out to um, a public event, especially when you don't know the person. I'm not Temple Grandin's mother. And um, I am unknown at this point. So 
the people that I have spoken for, though, are a lot of grandparents, which is mm-hmm. interesting, and caregivers. And they have been just amazed, I would say, happy, really happy with the information. And certainly, I'm sure, will pass on information to their then their children and hopefully information about my website and, and so forth. Well, give me your website right now, Grace. I'm just going to interrupt you in case anybody's looking immediately online as we speak. So the website is www.childrenofautumn.com. Great. Sorry to interrupt. Keep going. No worries. No worries. So I would say pretty much that's the basis of the tour of, of the speeches is based on the the 20 years that I had with Julianne. So Julianne was born, she was a 10 on the Agpar scale. She was a beautiful baby. She seemed to make contact with us right away, which, you know, even though the doctors say, oh, no, that's, that's impossible. But really, people said they felt like she was looking into their soul and making contact with them. She was very independent as a baby. And so as my second child, I was quite happy with that. It was later on, about 18 months, I had a girlfriend who had given birth at the exact same time as me, and so her son started talking, Jules didn't start talking, but again, still, the look in her eyes was very bright, very alert, and I always felt and in utero that this was a genius that I was carrying. I always had this feeling that, that wow, you know, I have this son who's three years older than her, and he's super bright. But she, her energy felt actually even stronger than his. So it was a big shocker later on about, it was about two and a half, three years old, where we really started to notice there's no language. She wasn't able to comprehend things, but she still looked absolutely brilliant and typical and she could walk and she could eat with her hands and because she was so little it was just like oh yeah that'll come that'll come and my husband I call him his (laughs) his, uh, (laughs) my husband's mother you know said to me well you know my son he didn't speak till he was four years old and he's super bright so I never was really worried about it until we moved to Jasper, actually, and then this Julianne was in the daycare for two hours a day from 10 in the morning till 12, and the woman of the daycare called me in one day and said, Grace, I really think we should have some testing done on Julianne. She seems to be delayed in every area. So we did. We had her tested, but the woman who tested her could not diagnose her. So she did say absolutely diagnosed in in every area let's put in a request for her to be properly diagnosed in Edmonton at the Glen Rose Hospital so it took us a year and a half unfortunately to get into there oh we my did, oh, sorry we, to, to interrupt for one second so how old was she at that point Grace when you realized that she, that you wanted to have testing done so well about three and a half three and a half and then it was a year and a half until they could accommodate the testing that's right. Wow. Okay, sorry. Uh, continue. Now, that was back then, right? No, no. Interject anytime. Thank you. I mean, the thing is, you know, we were part of the forerunner team. Now, at that time, and I'm going to tell you this story, we were actually improperly diagnosed originally. We were diagnosed with mentally retarded. It was two years after that original diagnosis that she got re-diagnosed. So she was now seven and then got properly diagnosed with autism. Now, at the time, it was one in a thousand children were being diagnosed with autism. Now, it's one in 68. 
So you can see the numbers have dramatically changed. And back then, I really think even the pediatrician who was originally on the team that diagnosed her and then who later re-diagnosed her said, wow, you know, we've learned a lot more diagnostic skills. We know what to look for now. So their skill level was, was coming up to par, so to speak. So that's basically, I've already kind of spoiled the story, but basically she was misdiagnosed. She saw, we were down there for three days. She saw every kind of therapist you can imagine. She had her ears tested and so forth. And, and throughout the report, they say things like, even though she doesn't make eye contact, and even though she's stimming, and even though she's flapping her hands, we are not diagnosing her with autism. And quite honestly, Ange, I didn't really know what autism was at that mm -hmm. point. It wasn't as prevalent as it is today. So all I knew was that it was bad news. It was a bad vibe. And great. So the pediatrician said to me, she's not autistic. And I went, great. So what is she? And she goes, well, you know, she goes, we really don't, you know, we, we, the only thing we can give her as a label is mentally retarded. And these were her words. She said, even though she really doesn't suit that. And if you saw pictures of Julianne when she was a child or even today, absolutely not. Um, there's no real sign of any issue, right? Which made for some interesting times later on because people thought she was a typical child that was just misbehaving, mm -hmm. right? So unfortunately, we were not on the right track. They basically sent me off and said, good luck. You're going to have to be her best advocate. I, I luckily, miraculously heard about this place in the States called the Options Institute, which is in Massachusetts. Somebody handed me a book and said, you should read this. And it was called Happiness is a Choice. I read the book in a night. I phoned the institute the next day. It's, their program is for autism. And even though we were still at that point diagnosed with mentally retarded, I was just guided to phone there. And the wonderful woman on the other end basically said, you know what, this would be great for you to come, this place, come. It's a place where miracles happen, come. So it was pretty pricey for me to get down there because I live in the middle of nowhere. $5,000, if I recall, for the whole trip with airfare and car rental and so forth, which at that time, Angie, I didn't have. Mm -hmm. So basically, the fundraising started then. So a big part of my life in those 20 years became fundraising. Again, I was like pre-crowdfunder. This was before crowdfunding even existed. So it was um, it was a journey, again, because nobody likes to be a, a beggar. I called myself a sophisticated beggar because I put together a newsletter, you know, with lots of nice pictures of Julianne. That's amazing. Oh, yeah. And we did all kinds of events. And the town where I live was incredible. And so we raised the money pretty quickly. And off I went. So I went down there, learned uh, an amazing amount of information, came back to Jasper, started a program with her with myself and this other woman named Kim Wallace. So it was just the two of us. And shortly after that, this other woman came on board. So now three of us. And within the first month, here's a child who didn't speak, who said a thousand words in a month. Wow. And I was basically flying because it was like, okay, we found an opening. Now at this point, she was still misdiagnosed as mentally retarded. Okay. Wow. But I knew we were onto something. And so wow. I started giving presentations at the school because I needed, uh, I needed a space 
that would work for her that was uh, distraction-free. Autistic people work better when there's not a million things on the walls, millions of kids, 30 kids in a room. They're very sensory sensitive. So I, I really petitioned the school for a room that was her own room, and they gave me one. And it was basically the caretaker's closet, which was teeny but perfect. Wow, and wow, they, they, wow. It was, it, it oh was amazing. God. It was amazing. And so the caretaker himself put up two shelves in the room because everything had to be up high. So she couldn't just interact with it on her own. She had to go through me or Kim to get to whatever was on the shelf. So now she had to connect with us. So the first phases of working with her was taking her right out of her bubble, so to speak, That because a lot of autistic people just do their own thing. They're, they're like, I don't need you. I'm cool. I'm cool where I am. If you want to work with me, you got to meet me in my bubble, so to speak. And that's what the Options Institute is brilliant at teaching. They teach you to make a bridge to the child, not to pull them out of their bubble. You go in. Go into their bubble. Do what they're doing. So if they're flapping their hands, you flap your hands. If they're jumping up and down, you jump up and down. And if you want to try this for yourself, and it's very fascinating. Yeah. Try it with someone and do what they do and see how they respond to you and try it the other way where you try and stop them from doing that behavior. They're going to be pissed and they're going to try harder to do what they're doing because they are just like us. They're human and they don't like it when people try and control them. That's really fascinating because I know uh, in being in sales for years, the psychology was always mimic the person that you're with in order to enter their sphere of thinking and they automatically will think that you are on the same team, that they will think that you actually understand what they're talking about, etc. So I guess for somebody with sensory sensitivity to that extent, that that's a really powerful thing to do. Very powerful. Wow. Very powerful. One of the hallmarks of the Sunrise program, which comes out of the Options Institute, and it's called Sunrise because they literally took their child, who now runs the Options Institute, out of autism. What? He no longer has autism. He's completely recovered. And I met him a couple of times because I ended up going down there a few more times. His name is Ron Kaufman. He's brilliant. He's an incredible speaker. And he is now the CEO of the Options Institute. So miracles do happen, folks. They wow. absolutely do. Wow. Julianne is not at that stage at this point in her life, but I, I swear I don't give up. I'm, I still think, well, we keep plugging along. And here's a kid who didn't speak, went to speaking. Then, you know, there's just so many things that she learned to do. We then brought in... Jonathan Alderson, who was gifted to us from the Options Institute, he had worked with them for a number of years. He had already had a ton of experience with autism. He had worked with over 3,000 families because we lived in, again, the middle of nowhere. They were like, you. he had come to Canada, actually, and started his own company called IMTI. And so they didn't want to come to Jasper because it's just way too far. It's, it's tough to get here, right? Mm -hmm. As you yourself know. Absolutely. And, but Jonathan was just starting out. God bless our timing there. And he was up for the venture. So he came out and he worked with our team because now I had a team of people who were working with us. So at one point we had 14 people on our team, many of them volunteers. We would do between 10 and 12 hours a day in the playroom with Julianne. The playroom was also a concept that I learned from the Options Institute. And it was all one-on-one. -on -one. And what Jonathan brought to us was many things. 
but one of the things was goals, like just getting really concretized and organized with our goals. And so we had two goals from every developmental area that we were always working on. We had group meetings once a week where we all made sure we were all teaching Julianne the same thing the same way. So if we were teaching her how to tie her shoelaces, we had this story about the train track and the post office and you go under the bridge and then you make a balloon and all this, there was all these different steps. But everybody knew the story, everybody was teaching it her the same way and it was the same with everything we taught her. She didn't know how to jump. This is a child who couldn't jump. So we taught her how to jump, okay? This basically when we started with her, so she was seven when we started, she, she, if she said two words in a day, that was enormous. So she went from that to speaking in small sentences, I want juice, I want doll, I want book, I want ball, whatever. That happened within a month. She wasn't potty trained. She wasn't, you know, she couldn't, she couldn't write anything. We know what typical seven-year-olds are doing. She couldn't read. I mean, none of these things were possible. She couldn't jump. She certainly couldn't ski or ride a two-wheeler, couldn't swim, and so on and so on. So everything was a goal, like at some point was a goal. Now, some goals took longer than others. For example, the tying of the shoelaces took four years for her to finally accomplish Learning how to ski down a hill ultimately took four years where I would actually let her go and I knew she was in complete control and turning and so forth. Learning the numbers one to five symbolically, two and a half years of every day, every day, this is a one, this is a three, this is a five. Through game playing, though, it was always, and this is, again, the brilliance of Jonathan Alderson and the Options Institute is making everything fun. So there's no tying a kid to a chair or demanding that they have to sit down or bribing them, so to speak, with cookies or whatever. It's the therapist has to become the animated, larger than life. Hey, man, life is fun. Come out of your bubble because you want to connect to us. We're fun. We're fun and we're helpful. That's why we're here, okay? Mm -hmm. And eventually she did. That, that probably took about two years in the program where she literally came out and she was now interacting and much more willing to take turns and so forth. So Jonathan was really brilliant at, at that, getting us really concretized on our goals. And then he also brought in many other aspects, and that's ultimately why he left the Options Institute, because he felt that what they were doing down there was fantastic, and there could be other things that you could do to help the child, things like chiropractic care. So Julianne started seeing a chiropractor who we now know and has become a friend of ours, actually. We just were out with him the other night for a birthday celebration, and he's Dr. Peter. And so Jules, no problem. She'll lie down on the table and they have a little bit of a game with it. And he's cracked her for, you know, 15 years. No, she's 20. Sorry, my math is bad. That's okay. <laughs> Whatever. For a while. Over 10 years. <laughs> Anyways, so he brought in, Jonathan brought in chiropractic care. The other big thing that he brought in was diet, which, you know, a lot of people talk about now. And it's very important. Even my husband at that time, who was a little skeptical of what I was doing, couldn't fail to notice how much change occurred when we changed her diet. Thanks, Grace. I'm going to have to stop you right there. We're just out of time for this week. Thank you so much for joining us today and sharing your story. It's such a powerful commentary of what parenting a child like Julianne would be like. Thank you, and let's continue next week right where we left off. 
Everyone who's listening, please check out Grace at her website, childrenofautumn.com. Don't forget to follow Different From The Other Kids on Facebook and Twitter. Thanks for all your support. We'll see you next week. Different From The Other Kids, Season 2, production of Marketing Maven Agency. And now a disclaimer. In general, I, Angela Sunis, am not a doctor, and I certainly don't play one on the internet. I'm a parent, period. The advice from me presented on Different From The Other Kids does not replace advice received directly from a medical health professional. If you think you need help, I do recommend making an appointment with your physician or other appropriate healthcare provider. Thanks for listening to Different From The Other Kids. Made possible with the support of Burlington Fitness and Racket Club. Why go to a gym when you can be part of a club? You can find them online at www.burlingtonfitness.ca. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week.